watching me, and so I know I'm going to have to behave when she greets you. Would you just tell my wife hello? She's unable to be here. Just tell her hello and whistle or do a woo-hoo or do something. Let her know that you appreciate her. And <clears throat> she's kind of down on her back here the last couple days. Um, so just uh, remember her and AJ had to work today. So just uh, keep my family uh, in your prayers. Amen. What a very exciting weekend. I uh, got to be a part of it a little bit uh, yesterday. And it was an honor to, to be here yesterday with, with Brother uh, Clay Jackson, his family, and the ministry. I'm always blessed uh, to be here at First Pentecostal Church. And uh, I'm really lost for words right now, to be honest with you, because I've received a big dose of God's grace uh, when I walked into the sanctuary when you guys was praying and I came right to those little back doors and Brother Nick let me use his office for a moment and I came and just kind of stood there and just kind of soaked up everything and I'm thankful the Bible says that great miracles and signs were wrought by the hands of the apostles in so much that they laid the sick, the, the sick folk on the side of the street. Therefore, when the very, perhaps if the very shadow of Peter were to walk by, that his shadow would heal them. It wasn't his physical shadow that could actually heal them necessarily, but it was more of his shadow of influence. It was the influence of the apostolic church because that was in Acts chapter 5 and in Acts chapter 1 they went into the upper room in Acts chapter 2 they, rather in chapter 2 they went up into the upper room they tarried uh, 10 days and suddenly there was a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind you know the story the Holy Ghost came and Peter uh, began to preach and the Holy Ghost was poured out and it was a phenomenon and uh, it was a Pentecostal pandemic uh, they have never experienced anything like that before. I mean, it was in the middle of the day, and they were looking like and speaking like and being loud like a bunch of drunk folks. But he says, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. We're not as drunk as you suppose that we're drunk, but we're not filled with wine where there's excess, but uh, we're being filled with the Spirit. And as soon as that happened, the pandemic happened, and the Sanhedrin of Israel, and then began to persecute them. But the world saw influence and they saw a commitment and a dedication to the things of God. And by the time you get to Acts chapter 5, there was the, in chapter 3, let me go back, at the, at the gate called Beautiful, the lame man was raised and he went into the temple jumping up, praising, praising God with Peter and John as he said, look um, on us in the name of Jesus Christ, be thou healed in the name of, of Jesus Christ, be thou healed and rise up and walk, and he did. And so all these miracles and signs were happening, and by the time they hit chapter 5, the people in the city of Jerusalem, it hadn't went out yet, but in the city of Jerusalem was like, you know what, we believe in these people so much that even their shadow, if they just walk by and we can get in their shadow, we'll be healed. I want to tell you the Lord spoke to me. That's what kind of influence this church has in 2021. When this, I'm serious. You guys have an influence upon you. That when people come in, they can get the Holy Ghost right in the foyer right there. When you begin to sing, tears come down people's faces. That's years of commitment. That's years of dedication. That's years of influence. It's your time. It's FPC's time. Amen? I believe that. I believe that in the name of the Lord. Now, that's not what I'm, I've come to preach about, but I wanted to share that with you, your influence is anointed. Your influence is anointed. Keep it up. Amen. So good to be here. Thank you, Brother David and, uh, and Sister B for the invitation. Brother Nick, Sister Kim, uh, wonderful uh, leaders they are, and all of the leadership team and all the good saints. I know many of you, we've been around here evangelizing since about 2012, and so uh, I know most of you, you've always been so kind to us and, uh, but I see a lot of new faces here. God bless you. You're at the best place in town. I was going to say in the state of Tennessee, but once again, I can't argue about Fayetteville, okay? <laughs> but uh, you are in the best place in town, in the best church in town, I guarantee you. Amen. I want you to stand up with me. I want to speak to you what I feel like the Lord has given me for to wrap up this weekend, if you will. 
for your leadership weekend, but also for the church and for this year of 2021. I know you have a vision statement, and Pastor always does the one-word phrases, and I love it. Keep it short and simple, right? But it's beyond, beyond. But to help you go beyond, we're going to have to walk in this element that I'm going to share with you uh, tonight, and you already have it. If you go with me to Ephesians chapter 4, 4 through 7, we're going to begin to read. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but unto every one of us is given grace. Everybody say grace. According to the measure of the gift of Christ. In Revelations twenty two twenty one, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Look at your neighbor here tonight and say, may the force be with you. How many nerds are in the house tonight? He was the first nerd that raised his hand. I was going to say you look like a nerd, but that wouldn't be nice. I probably look more like a nerd. How many nerds we have again? <laughs> Everybody's going to be a nerd tonight. Nerds are cool, by the way, in 2020. You know that, 2021, wherever we're at, right? Look at your other neighbor and say, may the force be with you. Amen. You can be seated. God bless you. <clears throat> you guys are liking this already, ain't you? Do you know where I'm going? It's pretty obvious that uh, there is a little bit of influence uh, in my message tonight about Star Wars. And uh, I don't have time these days. I'm bivocational. I work and, and pastor. I don't have time these days to watch too much of anything. But, uh, but I did try to dig into a little bit of the Star Wars because when I was a kid, I loved Star Wars. Now, I'm a late 70s baby. I don't want to give away my age too much, but I was born in 77, and uh, that's when the first Star Wars came out. And so in the 70s and early 80s, by the early 80s, I believe 83, the end of the trilogy, the first trilogy, was over, and I thought, Brother Nick, I was a Jedi. I practiced that in the hotel room, by the way, because I had to make sure it worked, Pastor. So I turned the lights off. It was still daylight, and I was like, I'm ridiculous. <laughs> Say, may the force be with you. Man, I love Star Wars. Just a kid and all this Chewy and Chewbacca and R2-D2, I forgot some of their names, and of course, Princess Leia. You know, I was a young boy, I thought Princess Leia was, was cute, she was my crush, and, and Luke, and even liked Darth Vader, I liked the other side as well, because I thought the red lightsabers were, were pretty cool, but I remember having the movies, and I remember uh, the music, the soundtrack, if you will. Yes, I'm guilty, I had pajamas. That were Star Wars. I don't have them today. That would be a little weird. But I did have them in those days. Now, if you're an adult here and you're a nerd and you're a Star Wars fan and you have Chewbacca pajamas, that's your business. Okay, we don't want to know about that. But I did, as a kid, I had the costumes. I remember at Halloween time, uh, uh, back in those days, we went trick-or-treating in our family. And, and, and I can't remember who I was, but I was a Star Wars 
person, I guarantee you. Amen. You could say probably in 1982 to 1985 that the force was strong with this one. The force was strong at the house where I lived. Now, Jedi Knights, Jedi Knights was influenced by what they called, and you know, the force. As young Jedis trained mentally and physically to prepare themselves for battle, they had to learn the way of the force and the power that was within the force. A Jedi could use the force to see things that others couldn't see. A Jedi could use the force to defeat the dark side. That was their biggest enemy. They could use the force to lead and guide them through sticky situations and hardships. They could use the force to help them in the trouble they had found themselves in. Every part of their life was influenced by this thing, this object, this spirit, if you'll allow me to say that, Amen. This force, their whole life was influenced by the force. The force is what made them who they are. It was their identity. They didn't know anything else but to be a Jedi, to, to live within the force. When they die, they say the force took them. When they're born, the force is strong with this one. Through parts of their lives, regardless the ups and the downs, they've always leaned upon this thing called the force they are lost and they are defeated they don't know what to do when the force is not with them I want to tell Lexington tonight that you have a force that I have a force that can't be reckoned with and that force is grace everybody say grace the word grace its meaning is comprehensible. It's very uh, misunderstood perhaps sometimes even in our own imagination. Grace always goes beyond the limitations. Grace does not have a lid. When nothing in the universe cares, grace, I guarantee you, cares. Now, the Greek word for grace, if you care tonight is Kirish. And the meaning of that word in the New Testament is to be graciousness of manner or act or the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life or it can be the benefit or it can be the favor. See, grace is manifold. It's an exhaustive subject. When you look up the word grace in the New Testament, uh, we're, we're still kind of seeing in a glass darkly. We don't have a full uh, understanding of all of grace. We know he's full of grace and truth, talking about Jesus Christ, but we still don't have full, if you will, understanding, a revelation of all of the amazing grace of God. It's, it's manifold. It, it works in, in different directions and goes down different avenues and ministers the way it does when it does because it is God. Amen. But uh, it's manifold. It has different works. But it is the same grace. I'm not talking about necessarily a different form of grace. It's one grace, but it manifests itself in different ways for different people, for different reasons, for different purposes. And I want to speak to you tonight about three different graces. Say the manifold grace of God. The first grace I want to talk about is the man of the, the rather the mainstream grace. Say mainstream grace. The mainstream grace is the grace that everyone has. This is the grace that's given to people when they are born. Amen. When you're born, you have God's grace. It's called the grace of life. God saw fit for you to be born from the fruit of the labor of, of, a, of, a, of a man and a woman. Amen. And you was born. You didn't ask to be born. You don't know how you got there when you was a baby. You just know it's cold and you need some food. Amen. And you come out crying for the most part. That's God's grace. And from what that moment right then, God had given you grace. Look at me with me into Psalms 139, 13 to 14. 
For thou hast possessed my reins. For thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. See, it was God's grace. Amen. I will praise thee. For I am fearfully, I am wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. And that my soul knoweth right well. He's saying my soul knows. I didn't get here by myself. I know for a surety. I know right well that I'm here on this planet earth. God gave me the parents. He gave me. It was his grace. Everyone has this part of his grace. Now, when we was born, that was an act of grace. In fact, I told you that Greek word is karish, which means graciousness of manner or act. God didn't have to allow you to be born, but he wanted you to be born, and he has a purpose for you. Don't, I want to help somebody out that says, I don't have no purpose. I don't know what my destiny is. If you was born, you have a purpose. If you was born, you have a destiny. And it's not to do what the world wants you to do. It's to do what God wants you to do. You was created to worship God. Hallelujah. That's why we feel them when we come into a church service like tonight and we wonder, my God, what is that? That's your creator. That's grace. Oh, clap your hands for grace today. We're born in sin because of the fall of Adam and Eve. We have this Adamic nature. We can't help it. We want to sin. We want to do wrong. We're, we're, we're tempted. We're trying to figure this thing out before we know God. We're trying to figure out our identity. and What am I supposed to do in life? And we try to wiggle our way to find what fits us. We try to find our way through this life. Then all of a sudden, there is this force that comes in everybody's life. And it's called grace it's a measure of favor and goodness even though we did not deserve it I want you to think here today if you're saved think about your life before Christ think about the times you could have died think about the should have the could have or the would have but grace stepped right in and said wait a minute I created you in your mother's womb I got a plan for you that wasn't luck that wasn't a coincidence that's grace my friend that's the grace of God. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't a good luck charm because you wore a rabbit foot or wear what would Jesus do sticker. None of that. It's God's grace. Everybody say God's grace. May the force be with you. Now watch. I want to talk about this grace that everybody has, this mainstream grace. Look at Matthew 5.45. That you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son... To rise on the evil and on the good. He sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. They're evil. They don't deserve the sun. They're evil. They don't deserve the rain. How do you think you got here? Paul said such were some of you. <laughs> you was an idolater and an adulterer and, 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 and full, full of wine and drunk and high and a cusser and a cheater and a liar. How you think you got here by your own goodness? No. God says, I'm the God of grace. Amen. I want you to come to me. I kept you from that car wreck. I healed you of that cancer. Why does he do that even to bad people? I don't know, but I'm glad he did. All those mob people climbing the wall of the Capitol, all those people burning down the city of Portland over the summer, they don't deserve God's grace. Yes, they do. What do you think the church is for? In fact, I'm here to bet when some of them walked away after they got it, because you know, when you get a bunch of, around a bunch of, of people that have the same mind and the same accord for whatever it calls it may be, you kind of get lost in it. And I believe some of those people there, it is kind of got lost into this whole thing. But maybe when some of them walked away, they may have felt good of what they did. But I guarantee you, deep down, there was some sorrow. Who you think brings that sorrow? Who you think brings that conviction? Who you think told you to come to church this morning? Amen. You didn't know you was going to get the Holy Ghost. I think someone got the Holy Ghost this morning. Amen. That was God. That was God's grace that woke you up said, hey, put your clothes on. Go to church. It was God's grace. We're here because of his grace. When you was born, I don't want to beat that same point, but I want to tell you, you're here by his grace. 
rains on the just and the unjust. Why? Because God loves this world. He loves mankind and everyone on this planet, regardless if their deeds are good and evil. God gives love. He blesses even the evil folks. That, that, don't, don't, don't mistake blessing with the favor of God. Now, when you're saved, Holy Ghost filled and obeying his word, you have the favor of God. But God will still bless sinner folks. God will still bless people in the penitentiary here today. Why? Because he loves them. And he uses some type of blessing and some type of good good deed, if you will, to let them know, hey, there is a God that loves me. There is a God who cares. That's God's grace. And the reason why we don't understand it, because as people, we're quick to judge people. We're quick not to have grace for people. We're quick to write people off. They threw me under the bus. Do you see how they looked at me? They talked about me. But you can talk about God. And you can ignore God. In fact, people have ignored God all their life. And, and I hate to say it, and some have never come to the foot of the cross or obeyed this great gospel. But God still loved him in his hand, and his arm was still outstretched, saying, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's where we're at today in this dispensation of grace. Amen. You still got some time. He's saying, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. That's God's grace, his invitation. Is God's grace this preaching right now? Is God's grace to try to save your soul? God loves all and gives a measure of this grace to everybody. Blessings, gifts, and even miracles happen to all kinds of people. And there is a reason for that. And I already kind of touched on this, but real quick, two reasons. Number one. It's one of his most important attribute. It's the first first fruit of the Spirit that you receive when you get the Holy Ghost because it's shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost, and that's love. God is love. And number two, it's to show mankind that there is a God, and there is a God who cares for you and loves you. See? God uses this demographic of grace, if you will, to influence them from the grace that everyone has to the grace that everyone needs, which is salvation. Think about it right now, how grace was with you before you knew God. We only got here because of God's grace. Let me tell you about me and my sister for a moment. For a a little part in Chicago in a little suburb of West Side there called Aurora. We grew up poor. We had no food at times. I remember eating ketchup sandwiches. We didn't have the bologna, amen, or the cheese. It was just ketchup on the sandwich. We had Cheerios without the milk. Amen. You put some sugar and some water. It wasn't too bad, but uh, I like the milk if you know what I'm saying. Amen. No food. We have different dads. We grew grew up with drugs and crime in the house. But guess what? But grace. Amen. We were separated for 10 years and worried about each other's being. During our separation my sister was homeless. She got kicked out. Amen. Because of my mom's boyfriend. And my sister had to live all her high school days in a basement at a friend's house in St. Charles. But I still went to my sister's graduation in 1999. But grace. I'm here to tell you. Regardless of your situation, look toward God. God will give you the grace that you need. And you don't even have, and, and, and that's before you're even living for him. Shame on me for me to ever think I'm anything. I'm here today because of his grace. know that I walked in here tonight with my baggage with my heavy heart grace met me at the door there's times when a preacher doesn't want to preach because he's heavy But when he gets up there, may the force be with you.
your flesh is tempted. And you say, you know what, I think I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. The devil says, oh, yeah, do it. The flesh says, oh, yeah, let it out, man, you'll feel better. Y'all are way too spiritual for me, by the way. But in Fayetteville, that's how we is. And then Brother Nathan, you got this force. Be kind. Love. And if Grace didn't come in and knock a fan on my shoulder sometimes, or Grace didn't come in, amen, and give me a brand new refreshing and a touch from the Holy Ghost, who knows who would be in this place today. In fact, none of us would be sitting in this beautiful edifice if it wasn't for the goodness and the grace of God. I had an old friend tell me a couple years who I used to sell and forgive me children when I did bad things let's let me put it that way we made money together and he told me at two years after I got into the church he said Sean there was a certain night that I was going to kill I was going to rob you and I was going to kill you of your money and of your supply if you will amen but can I tell you grace God gave me favor and protection. Amen. When I wasn't even worshiping God, going to church, living for God. But God put grace in my direction. Amen. That's why we get excited about praising him. Sometimes it's not even about the salvation. It's about, man, I never would have made it to know God if it wasn't for his grace in my hard time. And when I was sinning. I was incarcerated. In Union City in 1996, and it was my first time. I was freshly 18 years old. I was scared to death. I was 18. Everyone's in their 20s and 30s. They've all been locked up. And I was like, you know what? This is, I don't know if I want to do this. <laughs> Woo! It's funny because you'll go back and go back. But I went, Brother David, and they had church. And they would bring that old accordion, and they would sing. <laughs> and Anthony Sweatman. Grace hit me. And here I am. Christian shopping mode. Who got some on the spades? Acting tough, right? They started singing those old gospel songs, and one of them I knew that Grandpa song. Time out. Where the restroom was, we, we was, it wasn't in the, uh, where we slept. It was like kind of in the commons area. They had a little restroom. They, all they had was a little curtain. Woo! And uh, so I just kind of moved that curtain, and I sat there on that toilet, excuse my French, and cried like a baby. That was grace. That was grace softening this heart for this moment. You hear what I'm saying? And then after they left, after the pre, I stayed back there the whole time. I don't know what the other prisoners was thinking. Man, his stomach's upset. I don't know. But I was back there. I had tears down my eyes. Hey, man, I almost wanted to even speak in tongues. That's how I felt. And then when it was all over, I opened the curtain. And I was like, what's that? Because you can't cry in jail, you know. But God's grace. Walls does not keep grace away. Hardships doesn't keep grace away. You got problems in your marriage, you let grace come in the home and begin to touch your husband and touch your wife and touch your children. May the force be with this church. And that's the force of grace. All this favor and goodness was automatic to get us from that grace to this grace. That takes us to number two. Salvation. Everyone has grace when they're born. But this grace is salvation. It's the grace that everyone needs. The first one is the grace that everybody has. But this is the grace that everyone needs. Romans 1 and 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Acts 20, 24, but none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel. Say it with me. 
of the grace the gospel, the good news, this message that most of you would die for that flows through our veins, especially if you grew up your third, fourth, fifth, sixth generation Pentecostal. This is all you know. Amen. It's the gospel of the grace of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the force that will change your life and bring you salvation. This is a gospel that doesn't bring, uh, that doesn't conform you, but it transform you. You'll leave different than the way that you came in. The real gospel that's preached, not to tickle the ear, shake the preacher's hand, and leave some money in the bucket. I'm talking about a life-changing gospel. I still believe in speaking in tongues when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. That's still relevant today. Make me nervous. I said that's still relevant today. Transformation power. The Bible says the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Let me move through this one quickly. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand, but which also you are saved if you keep in memory what I preached unto you unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I have also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He's just explaining the gospel. This is not the application. Amen. This is what happened to Jesus Christ. He's explaining the death, burial, resurrection and that he was buried and then he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. This is the grace that everyone needs. The death, the burial and the resurrection. But Peter on the day of Pentecost he gave the application of the gospel of the death, burial and resurrection. The grace of the gospel and that's Acts 2.38 say it with me. And Peter said unto them repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost that is the grace what this world needs is Acts 2.38 it's the grace that everybody needs so before we was born before the foundation of the world, God was preparing a grace that we would need. He already knew I'm going to give one they can have. But the lamb was slain before the foundations of the world because he was the Logos. That word was made flesh in John 1 and 1. He had a plan. He says, I'm going to give everybody grace. It's called life. And I'm going to bless them to find me so they can have the grace that they need. And that's redemption. That's salvation. And he did it all while we were sinners. And he did it all when he saved us. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 10. For by grace are you saved through faith. I said, for by grace are you saved through faith. You know those ones, those ladies at Walmart that are all better than you. I saved myself. I've been in the church 50 years. No, you're a stink to God's nose. I'm not trying to be mean here today. Amen. You're not the cat's meow because you walked in here. We're not rolling out the red carpet because you walked in here. If you're a visitor, we're glad you're here. We'll give you a cup and a cookie and you can join the club or whatever. But I'm here to tell you, amen, we're all here because of his grace. When I was a sinner, grace. He did it all at Calvary. That's grace. May the force be with you. May the grace of God be with you and keep you and grow and be strong in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Watch, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. I don't have time to get into a theological reason of Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. If you guys know what I'm saying, I'm just going to read this. Lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. In other words, we are now, because of his grace, we are now able to walk upright and do the works of God. 
We, we, we now have the mindset, if you will, because of the Holy Ghost, that agent of righteousness is now inside of us. Amen. Before it was the finger uh, upon the table uh, stones, if you will, but when you get the Holy Ghost, he takes out a heart, amen, that stony heart, puts on a heart of flesh where he can now write upon your heart the laws of God. See, when you really have the grace of God in your life, you don't need pastor to tell you, well, you can't do that, you can't, you can do this, it needs to be that long, that short. You don't have to have none of that. When you really are in love with God and the grace of God's inside of you, he writes it in your heart. You know, hey, if that's there, I don't need to be there. Uh, that, that shouldn't be like that. Amen. Now you're able to walk upright and do the works of God because of his grace, because of his gift. This amazing grace, buckle your seatbelts, does not give us a license to sin. Now, we got to have spirit and truth because we did something. Man, I'm telling you, 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 you gave me a booster shot over here a while ago. I needed it. I, I needed a cleansing, and I got it. And we need to worship, and some of you were shouting. But we also got to have some truth preaching. We got to have our toes stepped on something. There's got to be a balance. The Bible says something about an unjust balance is an abomination unto the Lord. So we got grace. He's gonna, he's done all the work. He's gonna be with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. But you gotta do some things yourself. I can go out and just live the way I want to all week, but then Sunday, woo! You get one of those quick fixes. No relationship. Come on, somebody. Watch. Romans chapter 6, 1 through 2. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He said, no. God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Look, I know we make mistakes. You're even going to sin from time to time. I'm talking about willfully living in a sinful state of mind. A sinner. Someone who had sinned when David was with Bathsheba and did the awful thing that he did because he should have been out in battle and been in the work, but he was, had a kind of an idle mind. And you know what happens when you're idle? He fell. That didn't make David a sinner. He was a man after God's own heart. God didn't withdraw his grace from him because he made a mistake. David wasn't a sinner, but he sinned. And he got it right. The prophet came. He felt bad. And we read Psalms 51. is a re the repentant prayer of David. Cover me with hyssop, dip me again. Give me a new heart, renew a right spirit within me. Take not your joy of your presence from me, and I will convert sinners in the way. Something I'm paraphrasing just a little bit. Grace told him, okay, you can't be going that way. You, you need to be in the battle. Grace began to deal with him. He didn't use it as a license to sin where he can just come back to God and repent again, but go out and do the same thing. That's not grace. Because, oh, listen to me. Jude talks about those those in the last days that will turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. Taking advantage of his grace. Doing spite into the spirit of grace as it says in Hebrews. Living the way that you want to live. Doing what you want to do. Not really under apostolic leadership like you should. I am still preaching here. reason why I believe Romans 6 is because Titus says something similar. Sister B, he says this. For the grace of God, watch, that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. What's it do? What does grace do? Go to the next one. I feel like I'm in Fayetteville during Sunday school teaching. Grace teaches. Grace is not this kind of just loop. I'm not talking about a process of sanctification. Look, I've been saved going on 22 years, February the 9th, when I got the Holy Ghost. From when I got February 9th to 1999 to the whatever date this is, January 10th of 2021. I'm not where I used to be, but I'm not, I'm still far from where I want to be. It's called a process of sanctification. 
I'm not talking about making mistakes on the way as you're growing. I'm talking about just living the way you want to live regardless. Ain't pastor going to tell me nothing. The spirit of God, I'll ignore it. I said we've got to have spirit and truth. We've got to have balance. Doesn't it say something in the Bible about grace and truth or something like that? Kissing one another. They work hand in hand. Okay? So listen to me. When you have the grace of God, watch. That brings salvation. That grace. We're talking about the manifold grace of God. We've got the mainstream grace, and now we have the grace of salvation that everybody needs. That grace is going to teach you what? To deny ungodliness. And worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly. How do we know? Grace taught me that. I believe, in, in fact, when, when I do teaching on holiness, and I'm talking about inward. In fact, we probably need to preach more about inward than we do outward. It starts in here anyway. Amen? Forgot why I said that. I was going to make a point, and I done forgot. You don't take those side roads, man. You ever done that, Pastor? You take a side road, and you're like, now why did I all the time? No? Oh, you don't. Okay, well, you're a better preacher than me. <laughs> Amen. But we should live soberly, righteously, and godly. Grace, oh, what I was going to say was, I, I believe in teaching in midweek is kind of when we do it. But it, grace should already be teaching you that. And so when the pastor or whoever is that's teaching about stuff like that we, that we need to be careful about, especially in the day that we're living in, your, your spirit is going to automatically agree with the word of God because grace is teaching you that. Does that make sense? Amen. Looking for that blessed hope in the glorious appearing of the great God of our Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity, that's sin, and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. There it is again. The grace of God is going to teach us some things and ways that we should live and, 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 and conduct that we should have. And we should be, we're going to be a special peculiar people and we're going to be very zealous about doing good works to please God. And we didn't do that within ourselves. Grace taught. So God brought me, grace brought me out, and now grace is teaching me. Grace, grace, God's grace. Let me get to the end here, because God's going to do something for us tonight. When we get the grace of salvation, the force causes us to have a lifestyle change in morals and in ethics. We have the power to overcome this world and its lure. We become a special people moved by passion for the things of God. Now here's the next thing I want to talk about and bring home. The third one. Great grace. So everybody on this planet has the grace of life. The grace of goodness. Because God is good. And he's great and greatly to be praised. And he does all the things that he does for this planet and for this world and for families and for people and for homeless people and for people that are sick, for people that are in jail, for people of issues, people of all color, race, creed. He tries to get them from that mainstream grace and bless them so they can find the grace that they need and that salvation in church when you get the grace that you need which is salvation he just continues to bless his people with favor and he gives his church great grace that's keeping grace I want to do something I want to prove a point here if you've had, if you got one of those testimonies to where, man, you was in the mud, it was dark, you can't even tell the stories because you would be embarrassed. I'm just talking about maybe, just maybe drugs, alcohol, prostitute. I don't know what it is. If it was really bad and God brought you out, I want you to stand up. If that's just your testimony, keep on standing. Hey, let's praise God for that. That's grace. Keep on standing. These are great testimonies. And I'm standing with you. Great testimonies. We got ghosts of the past that we got to deal with. But we've overcome. Now, 
all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, regardless how far your heritage goes in the apostolic church, you still have to be repent of your sins, be baptized, and receive the Holy Ghost. You guys know that. You believe that. You preach that. I've seen that here. But if you've, this is all you know is the church, you got saved when you was young, you never went out there and smoked drugs or alcohol or got into that type of a lifestyle and cheating and lying and stealing, being locked up, I want you to stand. See, to me, with the testimony, I know some of you may say, wow, he was locked up. He was on drugs. He did this. He did that. Wow. It is, it is an amazing grace story. But you know what the greatest testimony to me is? Is the second half that stood up. Because it's the keeping power of grace. God gave you enough grace and enough power where you didn't have to smoke a cigarette. You didn't have to snort cocaine. You didn't have to smoke marijuana. You didn't have to go out there and begin to ruin your life. That's a grace as well. All of us have a testimony of grace. If it was this or if it was that, you have the force upon you, and it's called the grace of God. Clap your hands unto the Lord and thank God for his grace. The second half, be seated, the second half that did stand up. Don't you ever tell yourself, well, I don't have a testimony and I can't win somebody to the Lord. Yeah, you do. You have the testimony of God's keeping power of his great grace. And I look up to you and I need you to keep on keeping on. Because when I look at folks like my grandparents and my great-grandmother, that's all I know is them living for God. And it helps this young boy who's got to deal with his ghost of his past, of his struggles, of his past. But when I see the great grace upon my heritage, it keeps me going. This realm of grace is wider and deeper. The grace of salvation We received it by obeying the scriptures. But this great grace we receive when we're disobedient, when we're disappointed, when we're disgusted, and maybe even discouraged in the faith. There was two times when the disciples was walking with Jesus that he says, you got no faith. Why is it that you have no faith? And then there are several other times where he says, why is it that you have little faith? Let's be honest. We're no greater than the 12. There's times that we feel like we have no faith or our faith is very little. But then again, here comes more grace. Here comes more anointing. Here comes God to save the day. My friend, we got a force that is with us, and it's called grace. Woo. Yeah. It's the keeping power of amazing grace. James was talking to some Christians, and man, the book of James, if you're living the book of James, you're perfect. He's one of those preachers you don't have come to preach general conference. James, Brother James. Amen. He's sick of some folks and how they're acting in the church here in chapter 4. Now, this didn't come out of the 23rd chapter of my imagination. Check this guy. Check check James out talking to the church. Can you imagine Pastor David? <laughs> Sister B might give a little twist to it, but but I'm just keeping it real, see? I mean, <laughs> I'm in trouble after church. I'm just But Brother David, He's sweet, yeah. You're the real sugar, David. That's not sugar, sugar David. Can you imagine Pastor David talking like this to the church? From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust at war in your members? That's not something Brother David's going to come and say to the church. But James did. Watch. They're having some issues. You love and you have not. There's no fulfillment in your lust. You kill and you just still desire to have. And cannot obtain. You fight in war. Yet you have not because you ask not. You're too busy at war. You ask and you receive not when you do ask. Because you asked in the wrong direction. 
You haven't got yourself positioned, amen, for victory that you may consume it upon your lust. And he said, when you're asking, you want it for your own benefit and your own good. You adulterers and adulteresses. Come on, Pastor Jeff. Now, to help you out and to ease the blow a little bit, he's not really calling them in the physical sense adulterers. But he's talking about spiritual adulterers and adulteresses, and he'll explain because he says, Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Worldliness was coming in the church, or some folks in the church was becoming worldly. In whatever form that was, I don't know, but they were coming, becoming worldly. He says, You're an adulterer and adulteresses. It was male and female. That you know you're not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Okay, Pastor. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? Don't go to the next one yet. So he drops it down like that. Okay, man of God. We're guilty. We're struggling. We got some worldliness going on. I got some lust problems, and, and, and lust is not just in that one way we think. Lusting can go in all kinds of directions, covetousness and envy and jealousy. All that's tied also from a different type of lust. There's some issues here, and they're having problems, but check out the next verse. But he giveth. shakes me because maybe I can relate to the first couple verses. Can I say a cuss word in Pentecost? Bishop, I need you to. When you're an idiot, he gives you more grace. So I don't think you heard it. Because some of you are like me from time to time. You can have a bad attitude. You can be an idiot. You can say something stupid. You can have little faith. You might want to throw in the towel, but God still gives you more grace. God still gives oh, today. He gives you more mercy so you can make it through your difficult time. This is for the church. God has given the church more grace in the last days because of the enemy that we're going to be fighting, because of the spirits that we got to face. And when we fall, if we make a mistake, he giveth more grace to the body of Christ. I'm born in this world, I don't know God. Grace. Grace. Mainstream grace. Led me to the salvation grace. But God still did all the work. He put on flesh. He died, walked among us. He that was poor became, amen. He that was rich became poor so us that are poor could become rich. It was the ultimate trade that God made for mankind, amen. And then when we get into the church and we act like idiots and we fall over ourselves and we hurt people's feelings and do things we shouldn't, he still gives us grace. Don't you understand, people of God, here at FPC, everything that's going on in this church is the grace of God. That's the only reason why you're still Hebrews 4, 16. Let us therefore come boldly. Read it with me. Where? You got an issue? Come to the throne of grace. Why? If you go to the throne of grace, what's going to be there? Well, you may attain mercy. Say it with me and find what? Anybody got a need tonight? I said, anybody got a need tonight? Come to the throne of grace. You're going to obtain mercy, and you're also going to find grace to help you in your time of need and circumstance. Get your grace. The force is with you. Use the force. You're nothing without the force. You're nothing without the grace of God. You've got to have his grace. You've got to have his mercy every day. You've got to have his forgiveness. You need to let your mind be baptized with grace again. There needs to be a brand new appreciation in this church for the grace of God. I'm going to go ahead and say something. Not you, me. 
seen this happen. And pastor, if you don't like this, I want you to tell me after church, but I love these people. Don't think, now hear me, because God has blessed you with what you have, that you're something and you've arrived. It started with dream of bishop, awesome leadership by pastor and the leadership team here that brought, brought this to fruition in great faith. But let's look at the root. Grace. When you guys start pulling in this parking lot and you see the beautiful outside, I mean, it's a beautiful church. I'm a little biased to say it's prettiest in the district. Sorry, Nashville, if you're watching. You need to say, God, thank you. Thank you for this soul-saving station. Look what your grace has done in this city. Look what grace has done for this congregation. And church, we should come in here, and I know that you are, I can tell by your worship, but you should come in here with a spirit and an attitude of graciousness in the favor of God. And you watch God. You're going to have to knock down that wall, knock down that wall. God's going to fill this place and give this church continuation of great grace. The grace of God helps us when we are weak. I know I'm being a little long-winded, but stay with me. I'm almost done. The apostle Paul had a weakness, a thorn in his flesh. We know this one well. And he said unto me after he was praying for this, I, I, I don't want this this thorn, this problem, this issue that was buffeting him. And, and we don't know what it is. A lot of theologians have guessed. I don't know, so I'm not going to try to guess. But he had an issue. He had a thorn. And the Lord began to speak to him and said, Look, my grace is sufficient for thee. My grace is enough for you, Paul. I know you got a journey. I know you're a bishop of many churches, and you're still evangelizing and preaching, and you're being locked up, beaten, shipwrecked, and everything. But my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so he said, Most gladly that Therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, he says, I take pleasure. Now, I know we don't like to say this, but he says, I'm going to take pleasure in my infirmities, in my reproaches, in my necessities, when I'm being persecuted, when I'm stressed out, pulling my hair out. I'm just going to give God thanks. Why? For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen. We need to realize when you're at your weakest, really, that's when you're at your strongest because you're not no longer putting faith in yourself, but grace now has come and picked you up and has given you some more help, some more faith, some more grace, amen, some more energy, if you will. He's changed your mindset. He's helping you. It's the work of grace. So when you're weak, realize that you are strong. And so let the weak say they are strong. It's the power of the force of grace. And I close with this. If, if music personnel want to come, I want to go to Acts chapter 4. In 31, when they had prayed, understand, after Acts chapter 3, the lame man at the gate called Beautiful, everyone that went into the temple for the hour of prayer realized this lame man had been there for years. He became a professional Hustler, if you will, and asking of alms. You know how to give the look and, and have the, give the fake tears. You ever been around people like that? I have. Amen. And, and he became a professional at asking of alms. And he's been there for years. And now he's leaping and he's in the house of God rejoicing with a few of the disciples. And the Sanhedrin brought them in there and put stripes upon their back. And they said, we know, and I'm paraphrasing, you're preaching and teaching in this name. We forbid you to teach in this, in this name. There was great persecution against the church. I told you, like I told you before, it was a Pentecostal pandemic. And, and, the, and the elders of Israel and the, and the religious folks didn't know what to do with these fanatics. They thought Jesus was an imposter. Quit preaching that name. But they couldn't deny the evidence because they knew he was a lame man for many years. And so they was breathing threatenings to the disciples. And so they came together in a place again. Come on, guys. Let's pray again. We need God's help. 
People are being filled with the Holy Ghost. People are being baptized every day. All the miracles that God is doing through our hands. And we're only young people. We're in our 20s. When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. Just like in the upper room back in Acts 2. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. They preached without fear or favor, but with fervor that only comes from the power of the grace of God. And the multitude of them that believed were one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witnesses of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. And this is what I, if I have a word in this message that I feel like the Lord wanted me to pinpoint to tell you from heaven, it's this right here. That I believe in these last days that God had said He's going to give this church great grace and it's going to be accompanied with great power. And if we use it, it will sustain you to the end. There was a prophetic word that went by. Did you share everything that Brother Clay Jackson said on Saturday to the congregation? there's going to be some trials for this church that was the word that was spoken and I didn't even think about it because I was actually going to preach on I'm not afraid of ghosts and talk about our past but God said no I need you to talk about grace because I'm going to do I'm going to give this church great grace and I believe what's going to happen is, is going to be true because I believe in Brother Clay. I've seen other things come to pass that he has said. Anytime God is blessing, the devil's going to come messing. I know that sounds cliche, but that is so true because it's all about levels. When you go to spiritual authority, you got to fight another devil. You go to another spirit. We're, we're seeing that in Life Church. You won't believe the year we had in 2020. Oh, yeah, and coronavirus. <laughs> right? Top of that. It's because spiritual authority rises, maturity rises in the church, the people are growing, new devils, new levels. I believe that. I've seen that. So what I'm saying is not fearful. What I'm saying is not to scare you. What I'm trying to tell you is he has given this church great grace that will be accompanied about with great power that will overcome any onslaught of the enemy that he brings within the people that are here. And I feel something right now. I want you to stand up with me. Sister Kim, I want you to come up here. Brother Nick, if that's okay, my friend. Would you come up here? Tell you what, Brother Nick, won't you just come and come with your wife? You guys are always a team. I love the way they walk around together, by the way. to be coupled with it as it did with the apostles. Lift up your hands right now and I want you to receive that great grace from the Lord. Sister Kim is going to pray over you in the name of the Lord right now. God, as we seek you, Lord, your word says we will find you, Lord. God, you will pour out that great grace
grace, Lord, upon this congregation, Lord. God, with that great grace is going to come great power, Lord. God, as we walk in that spiritual authority, Lord, strongholds are coming down. They are breaking. I hear the sound of chains breaking in this community, Lord. God, your grace, Lord, God is going to fuel us in ways that we cannot imagine, Lord. God, it'll flow so freely towards us, Lord. God, that our spiritual influence will draw others to you, Lord. God, merely casting a shadow can bring people to their knees because that grace has drawn them to you, Lord. God, they will not see us, Lord. God, but they will see a manifested glory of your power working through us, Lord. God, you see the hunger, Lord. God, in the hearts of these people, Lord. God, you have told us if we will call out and ask, we can stand in that spiritual authority, Lord. God, we can walk in that dominion. But right now, the enemy wants to bring fear. So I want to pray against that, that there will be no fear in the prophetic words that have went forth. Because when you call us to higher levels, there is higher angelic power that will surround this church. It is here. Those angels will fight for us. We will not fight. We will worship. In your worship, you will release your power and your grace. Thank you. I want you to receive it right now. If you want to come up front, I want you to come up front right now. This is your night. If you have been baptized in Jesus' name, you need to do that right now. Amen. If you need the Holy Ghost, I want you to come. If you need a miracle, I need you to come. If you need healing, if you need emotional, emotional touch, I want you to come. That's it. But when you come, lift up your hands right now. Great grace. Everywhere I look around, it's God's grace. You can't run from it. You can't run, but you can't hide from the grace of God. Go ahead and submit to the Lord. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Draw nigh unto God, and he'll draw nigh unto you. Receive that grace.